0: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are
1: helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Stacey Marie Ishmel, managing editor of Crypto for Bloomberg News. It's Tuesday, September 20th. and Norway are home to some of the most abundant energy sources in the world, including geothermal, wind and hydroelectricity, which helps to explain why these countries have been so attractive to Bitcoin miners in the past. Unfortunately for those miners, the combination of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which affected energy availability, as well as rising inflation and environmental factors like drought, have curbed the availability of cheap electricity in these regions which means that miners in some of these areas could find themselves kicked out, if not regulated out, of these markets. So miners are on the move again, forever chasing that combination of abundant electricity for relatively low prices. This time, some of them are even heading further north of the Arctic Circle. Joining me to discuss what's happening in the Nordics is Bloomberg editor Lars Paulsen.
2: You know, Sweden's financial regulator, they have come out and, you know, called for a ban on, on mining in Europe because of the environmental aspect and, you know, the, the fact that it sucks up
1: so much energy. Lars, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about who you are. Why don't you introduce yourselves to our listeners?
2: I am an editor and reporter in, uh, in Stockholm. I've been covering the um, energy markets in Europe for a very long time, about um, 20 years. And it's an extremely exciting time, as uh, you probably understand, (laughs) affects the whole um, spectre of the economy at the moment.
1: What are some of the things that make energy in Europe exciting right now?
2: (laughs) Obviously, it started. even before the uh, russia's invasion of ukraine russia started to curb the gas exports to um, to europe and then they obviously have more or less halted um, gas exports via via nord stream and the impact of that has been immense on uh, energy supplies in in europe and you know everything from coal to electricity and gas uh, prices have skyrocketed With that, we have, um, you know, surging inflation.
0: much longer can inflation stay this elevated in Europe? And have we seen the peak yet?
2: EU energy ministers calling for urgent measures to tame the price of gas. The energy crisis continuing to deepen there. What do they mean by urgent
0: measures? More worrying, of course. 8.9% is the inflation rate now for the eurozone. It uh, was expected to be 8.7%. Obviously so uh,
1: Ukraine-Russia conflict is uh,
0: adding additional uh, pressure.
2: Gas prices are, you know, five, six times higher than previous uh, same time last year Mm -hmm. you know even though they are they are coming down a little bit now but they are significantly higher you know they set records in the recent months Mm -hmm. Um, same with power prices and coal prices.
1: So you know given this environment of rising prices like what are the kinds of trade-offs that people are seeing both in terms of industrial consumers of power as well as say like you know homes and smaller businesses?
2: Well, there's a lot of talk about energy rationing over the uh, over the winter. There will be, most likely will be, I should say, you know, rolling power cuts in mm-hmm. several countries. You know, when demand peaks in the winter, uh, there probably won't be enough um, electricity for everyone to go around.
1: That's a pretty dire scenario <laughs> that you're describing.
2: It is. And it's all really all down to uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine.
1: There was a quote from the energy minister of Sweden back in July, which I'll share, which is, we need energy for more useful things than Bitcoin, to be honest. The to be honest, you know, sort of made it for me. But the, the context of that interview was that Sweden, which is home to one of the largest Bitcoin mining industries in Europe, was having to decide whether allowing energy intensive crypto, you know, creators and validators to be setting up in the country is something that's going to continue to make sense given exactly the dynamics that you're describing. Is there an environmental consideration as a result of folks going, you know, sort of further up, as it were, are there any, are there any energy questions or environmental questions that, that you're seeing or that you're hearing from folks there?
2: It's a little bit difficult to to say at the moment how big this movement is, you know, because these companies, as you probably know, they tend to be quite, you know, they don't want to give too much away about their operations. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to say how many companies are are actually moving up. What is clear though is that there is a move from southern Norway Mm -hmm. to northern Norway, and it's all down to, um, as we come back to, the the cost of of, uh, power.
1: Is power in northern Norway more easily accessible? Is it cheaper? Like, What are the differences that are provoking this kind of move?
2: In addition to the European energy crisis, that's pushing up prices all over Europe, Southwest Norway, where some of the where this particular miner was based,
1: and that miner is of course Crypto Vault with a K, just for fun.
2: Exactly, they've had the extremely dry spring, and virtually all of the power in this area is generated by hydroelectricity. Mm -hmm. And the dams are running almost empty at the moment, which means that there's extremely little supply. So power prices have surged even more there. The CEO of uh, CryptoVault told us that um, power prices up in the north where he's going, or in the south rather, were 160 times higher than the region up north where they're moving to. And this is because Norway and the rest of the um, Nordic region is split into different price zones. Okay. And the reason why it can have such massive difference in prices is because there are bottlenecks between the different regions. So even if you have a surplus of power up in Northern Norway, where they're moving to, you can't necessarily get that power easily down to Southern Norway, where it's most needed. And that's creating the massive price differences.
1: These price zones are they sound like they're a fairly sort of well-established feature of, of the country. Are you finding from your experience that those kinds of differentials, you know, 160 times different, are increasingly common? Because of the the dynamics that you're describing, or is this still a, does this still feel unusual to you in your experience having reported on these markets for such a long time? I mean,
2: you you have to one thing you have to take into account is that these prices are set on a day-to-day basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe the day that he was referring to that was a particular huge number. Mm-hmm. The the spread was big. But the spread is becoming increasingly volatile. Mm. And, you know, those kind of price differences are not um, uncommon. You know, some days they might be 50 times higher, 25 times higher. This day it was 160 times higher.
1: And how are other types of, you know, big industrial consumers of power dealing with these fluctuating differentials? It seems like, you know, hedging is going to be an increasingly important part of anyone's strategy if they're trying to sort of survive these kinds of differentials, if they're operating in multiple parts of the country?
2: The large companies are buying power several years ahead in some instances.
1: Several years ahead,
2: wow. Several years ahead, yeah. So at the moment, they might have bought power for this winter last year, so they might be all right. But there will obviously come a point when those hedges run out. Mm -hmm. And that's when the price, um, the huge price gains that we're seeing now will hit them. So, in the end, you know, or over time rather, it will be almost impossible for anyone to come through this without some major damage to their, you know, profits and balance sheets and so on.
1: Coming up, what the future may look like for crypto miners in Norway, Sweden, and beyond and what the implications are for the broader industry.
3: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time.
0: Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: The Nordics are or have been presented as a great example of how you can have alternative to fossil fuels. But, you know, I'm struck by what you said about, like, the dams are, are running out of water. Like, what are some of the lessons that folks are drawing from the experiences of these countries right now?
2: You know, Norway has um, you know, is quite often mentioned as the, um, the green battery of, of Europe. Year During years of, of normal rainfall, you know, that's a, that's a great position. To be in, mm-hmm. because it exports um, a lot of power. But like um, you know, in the same way, you know that solar and wind is great when it um, when it's very sunny and it's very windy. The flip side is the intermittency. So if you have a like a really dry year in in Norway, like we've had, they are extremely vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can say that that's why. You need both renewable energy and, you know, more planable power. I think it's in- impossible to take, uh, for example, nuclear completely out of a, out of the, the Nordic power system. You know, it's there as a backup. Sweden is shutting down some of its uh, some of its reactors, and that is also part of the reason why power prices are surging.
1: Well, let's actually touch on that because. One of the folks that things in crypto mining, especially Bitcoin mining, tend to talk about is they're very interested in alternatives to, you know, fossil fuel based sources of energy. I haven't heard a lot of people say that they're ready to, to hook themselves up to nuclear reactors, but do say a little bit more about the conversation around nuclear in in Europe, particularly in the Nordics. So it sounds like Sweden is scaling back there while other countries are are thinking about at least not shutting down their existing plants. Is that correct? It's it's more a
2: case of oh, actually the the election that we had now they, that will probably change the long term position here. But what what's happened if you if we go back uh, a bit? So the reason why Sweden and you know the Nordic region has been so attractive to to crypto miners, uh, you know, over the past X number of years is that you know power prices are among the cheapest in the world there mm-hmm. and the reason for this is historically plenty of hydropower plenty of nuclear and lots of wind power so it's not like you're dependent on a on a global price of gas or coal for example mm-hmm. so that's kept the you know the level of of power pricing very low and at the same time obviously it's um, it's green it's green power or at least fossil free
1: one of the the consistent themes that we've heard about, and frankly from crypto miners, and again, especially Bitcoin miners, is they're a very mobile industry, right? they They will go and they can they can sort of pick up shop, as it were, and move to places that have a better combination of abundant sources of power that you know, priced relatively competitively. Is there anywhere in Europe that you're observing where those two things seem like they'll be true in the long run?
2: There won't be another um, Nordic expansion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the ones that are in the Nordic region and the ones that can move up north, they will. The same. It's the same situation in Sweden, mm-hmm. that in southern Sweden, you have extremely high prices in northern Sweden. You have very cheap power most of the time.
1: So, you know, we mentioned earlier in this episode the comment from the Swedish energy minister about not really perceiving that Bitcoin is necessarily the most useful use of energy in the world. But, you know, in general, across the Nordics, I wouldn't say it's necessarily been hostile to crypto, it might not have been as enthusiastic or explicitly enthusiastic as, um, as some other places. What's been your experience here in, in, in region of how folks are thinking about crypto and crypto assets?
2: Well, from from what I picked up, you know, I think that the the governments are slightly they probably have a slightly more conservative attitude than elsewhere in the world. You know, Sweden's financial regulator, they have come out and, you know, called for a ban on on mining in Europe because of the environmental aspect and, you know, the, the fact that it sucks up so much energy. But, you know, having said that, you know, the general population are probably treating it a bit like everyone else in the world. You know, they, <laughs> they love the speculation. You know, one recent example is um, there was a Swedish comedian who was... Um, you know, extremely um, vocal on social media. He posted all his gains. Obviously, when um, some of the um, cryptocurrencies nosedived, which I do occasionally, you know, he, he did lose a hell of a lot of money. And, you know, he posted about that as well. And, uh, you know, people just love to to follow his story.
1: It seems, as you say, it's very relatable right now, given the, given the state of the markets.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you very, very much again for taking the time. Um, these are complex topics and our listeners really benefit from getting world-class reporters like you to sort of explain what's actually going on. So really appreciate it.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: A pleasure. You can find more of Lars Paulson's reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal on Bloomberg.com and on Twitter. He is LPE Paulson. That's LPE P-A-U-L-S-S-O-N. On the next episode of Bloomberg Crypto, there's no real signs that we're anywhere close to the end of this current crypto winter. A chill that has wiped something like $2 trillion worth of value off of the market. But what does $2 trillion, $1 trillion, $3 trillion even mean when we're talking about crypto assets? And why are some folks increasingly sceptical of whether these numbers represent any kind of correlation with actual economic value? This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. Or find us on Twitter, we're at Crypto. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producer is Sharon Bariro. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow.